thank you so much for being here. If you have your Bible, Psalm 146, Psalm 146, and uh, I have entitled this message H3. <laughs> and that was about the response I thought I would get. <laughs> this message is entitled H3, and some of you are looking like calves looking at a new gate. Looking like calves looking at a new gate and uh, a little bit confused, but I pray that the Lord will speak to you this morning in Psalm 146. I want us to read this psalm together and uh, see what the Lord has for us. Let's read beginning in verse number one. The Bible very quickly starts off on a high note. It says, praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord? I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, and in that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, the Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind, the Lord raiseth them that are bowed down, the Lord loveth the righteous, the Lord preserveth the strangers, he relieveth the fatherless and the widow, but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations, praise ye the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wonderful opportunity that we have to be in your house today. God, I pray that you will speak to us like never before on this day. That you will open up the eyes of our understanding. That you will open up our hearts. That you will open up... The, the line of honesty between us and you that you might work in our hearts on this very day. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching and worshiping online that has never experienced that beautiful relationship with you through Jesus Christ, your son, I pray that today that they might call out on the name of the Lord, that they might receive the forgiveness of sin and that they might begin this wonderful fellowship, this wonderful relationship with you through the finished work of your son. God, I pray that you would be with me. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, because you are my strength and you are my redeemer. Lord, I thank you for again the opportunity that we've had to sing praises to your name. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your provision and your protection and on and on. But Lord, I pray most of all that today you will receive the honor and the glory that you so richly deserve. For it's in the wonderful, most precious, and most powerful name of your dear son, Jesus, that we pray this in all things, and we pray it in his name by saying amen and amen. Well, H3, here we are. <laughs> and if you look right away, we're, uh, you'll figure it out here soon enough. If you look right away with me, you're going to see that this is, a, this is really a psalm of praise right off the bat. In fact, look at verse number 1 and look at verse number 10 because both of those verses, verse 1 begins and verse number 10 actually ends by saying, praise ye the Lord. And so right away, this is a psalm that should encourage our hearts. It's a psalm of praise. But also, 
I would be remiss if I didn't share with you and I didn't point out to you that this is much more than just a psalm of praise. This is a psalm, quite honestly, that should bolster every one of our confidences in the Lord, our God. Because it shares so many wonderful truths from His Word. In fact, look down in verse number 6, because it's sharing truth about, now watch this, it's sharing truth about the Lord Jehovah, our God, the self-existent God. This is what this psalm is sharing, and so we ought to gain a lot of confidence from the things that it's telling us. And in verse number 6, notice the Bible says that He is the Creator, God, and He is the Keeper of all truth. Are you looking for truth? I want to encourage you. Don't go outside these walls and look for truth. All you need to do is look at the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. And so He's not only the Creator God, but He's Keeper of all truth. Look at verse number 7. If you drop down to verse number 7, the Bible says that He's the God who executes judgment on behalf of the oppressed. He's also the God who gives food to the hungry. He's also the God who sets the captives free. Amen. Every one of us. If you're, a, if you're here today and you're breathing, whether we like to admit it or not, I'm a sinner. It's like, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners. And he sets us free. He sets us free. He sets us free. What a wonderful Savior we serve. Look at verse number 8. Verse number 8 tells us that Jehovah God is the one who opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up those who are troubled. He loves those who walk according to his word. Amen. And then verse number 9 goes on and says he's the God who preserves and guides those of us. Have you ever felt like you've been forsaken? You ever felt forsaken by family members? You ever felt forsaken by friends or co-workers? Maybe you felt forsaken by God. He's the one. Our Bible tells us that he's the one who guides even those of us who feel like we have been forsaken. Also, verse number 9 says he's a friend to the fatherless. Amen. He's a friend to the widows. This is our God. Those with no earthly protector can be sure that God is at their side to protect them. Verse number 10 says that he is a God who shall, and I love verse number 10 because it says he's a God who shall reign forever and ever and ever, and we could beat it like a drum, like a broken record. Oh, he's going to keep on reigning, whether we like it or not. He's going to reign forever and ever, and spiritually speaking, as believers, I don't know about you, but these truths, just in these verses from 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10, these truths should bolster, not diminish, they should bolster our confidence and cause us to celebrate the greatness of our God. The greatness of our God. We just sang, how amazing, we just sang the great I am. Talking about the greatness of our God. Listen, if it doesn't bolster your confidence and cause you to celebrate a little bit more, I'm not sure what will. Really, I'm not sure what will this morning. Honestly, this entire psalm is phenomenal. But I want us to pay particular attention, close attention to one verse because I see in this one verse that this verse actually promises everything that you and I could ever need. And so let's jump in for just a few moments and see what the Lord has to say this morning. And I simply want us to consider three words, H3, that begin with the word H. And we'll find our text zeroed in on verse number 5. In verse number 5, the Bible says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Do you like it? I like that verse. Happy is he who hath the God of Jacob for his help, 
whose hope is in the Lord his God. It's a phenomenal verse. And so the first H that I want us to highlight is the word help. I want us to highlight the word help because notice again, it's as happy as he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Folks, when I have car trouble, I call a mechanic. If I have electrical problems or plumbing problems, I call an electrician or a plumber, amen? If I have health troubles, well, then my wife usually calls the doctor. I typically don't make that call. Many times my wife makes that call before I even have a chance to think about it. Thank God for women and wives. Listen, the truth is that we depend on others all the time for help. Isn't that right? We look in every direction known to man. We look in every direction for help. But friend, there's one whose help far outweighs and far outlasts the help of anyone. And that is the help of God himself. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. Hold your position right there with me. Uh, it's Psalm 146. I want you to flip back just for a second to Psalm 46. So hold it 146 and then jump back to Psalm 46. I want you to see something that's really cool here in God's word. Because in Psalm 146, we reference the self-existent Jehovah God. In Psalm 46, we're going to see another name, another title of God, Elohim. Okay, And notice what Psalm 46 says. Look in verse number one. By the way, Elohim meaning the supreme God. That's not you. That's not me. Although sometimes we think we are the supreme God, right? I'm talking about Elohim, the one, the only creator God, supreme God of the universe. I used to have a uh, professor in Bible college who used to reference the name Adonai. And he used to tell us Bible college students, he said, now listen, be careful, men, that you don't go home and call yourself little Adonai because your wife's not going to think highly of that. Listen, same way. We should never refer to ourselves as if we're God. Only he is God, the self-existent, the supreme God. Notice what Psalm 46 says. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble therefore now watch this is not a question it's just king james backwards speak watch therefore we will not fear it's not it says will not we fear it's not asking a question it's making a bold statement it says god elohim is our refuge and strength the very present help in trouble therefore will not we fear Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. In creation, watch this, in creation God separated the waters and he holds them back. Everything that is being created is being held and consists by his power. Now, think about this. Go back to Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. So when the water feels like it's all troubled, when the mountains are shaking, when the earth is crumbling all around you, the Bible is reminding us, praise the Lord, that we have safety with our God. That's encouraging to me because, listen, if we read this entire psalm, if you read the entire psalm, just Psalm 46 in and of itself, you would see that these words are applicable to not only every believer, but every New Testament church. 
You see, no matter what the dangers are that you and I face now or in the future, the passage is actually saying that our supreme God, look at verse 1, right there it is, that our supreme God will be the one who provides shelter, i.e. refuge. He's also going to be the one that provides the power or strength for us in the day of trouble. And notice that, that phrase there. It says that he's a very present help in trouble. Do you know that the phrase very present tells us that help is coming quickly? You like that? Help is coming quickly. Very present. It's going to come quickly. Can I tell you this? A lot of times we ask God and we say, God, where are you? I've been crying out for help and you just don't seem to be around. Guys, can I tell you that you, God is not uh, work according to my timetable and your timetable. His time is perfect. He's on time all the time. He's not going to... He's not going to... Uh, Raise up and do necessarily what we want anytime. But his help is always on time, every time. I think of the psalmist who said in Psalm 121, he said these words, he said, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. You remember this verse? He says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. Obviously, if the psalmist is looking up to the hills and he's asking the question or making the statement, from whence cometh my help, the idea or the implication is that there is danger somewhere lurking about. Now, if you look at this verse and he says he will lift up his eyes under the hill, here's the thing. There's a lot of people who will go in and some theologians that might be much smarter than me, great, congratulations. And a lot of people kind of figure out what is the psalmist referring to when he says hills? Here. And some say this and some say the other. Personally, I actually believe that it's pretty simple. I think that he's probably referencing the hills that Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem was actually built on, which was actually said to be the dwelling place of God. He's saying, from whence cometh my, my help? I look unto those hills, from whence cometh my help? And he actually answers the question in verse number two. For all those who are looking for uh, answers, he says, my help cometh. From the Lord, which made the heaven and the earth. He says, my help comes from the creator God, the self-existent, the Elohim, supreme God. Let me ask a question. Where do you turn? Where do you turn? Where do you, where do you look? Who do you look to in times of trouble for your help? Because we're living in some chaotic times. What's crazy to me is we tend to trust people all the time, even during dangerous and difficult times. But folks, let's just be honest. Sometimes people let us down. Have you ever been let down by somebody? Sometimes people let us down. Sometimes people, here's another one, sometimes people lie to us. Anybody ever been the recipient of a lie from somebody? Sometimes they cheat us. And did you know that sometimes people will actually steal from you? And yet we trust people. And then when the pastor or a friend, a family member or a co-worker suggests that you place your trust in the Lord, we bristle back, oh, I can't trust the Lord. This is, this is you know, I'll just take care of it myself. Why is that? Why do we do that if we know that the best place to go for help is the Lord? Why do we bristle back and never call out upon the name of the Lord. Oh, listen, folks, we can trust the very God who created everything to help us 
our God who hung the sun and the moon and the stars, the same God who holds everything together. He is the God of our help. Think about it. I put it this way. How often do we really slow down long enough to trust our supreme God? How long do we slow down enough to wait on him for his help in his time according to his wisdom? Oh, it's very, very important that we do this. His timing is always perfect. I think about what the psalmist said in Psalm 33 and verse 20. You'll see his psalmist says, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. My friends, true devotion to the Lord will cause you, it will cause me, it will cause all of us to depend solely on Him and in His timing to actually step into our situation, step into our problem and offer help. It doesn't matter whether we're going through a season of danger, a season of poverty, a season of sickness, whatever it is, when we devote ourselves to God, when we come apart from the world and we draw nigh to God, as James tells us, as we draw nigh to God, resist the devil, the Bible says he'll flee from us, and then it says draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. When we do those things, oh, God has a way of stepping in. He has a way of stepping in, in our situations and in our problems. I think about the, uh, the story that we find over in Matthew chapter 15. And you can flip over if you want just for a second. In Matthew chapter 15, the Bible reveals this story where a woman of Canaan, she's a Gentile woman, and you may remember the story. She comes to Jesus and she cries out for mercy. And the reason she's crying out for mercy is because her daughter has been grievously afflicted with the devil. And some of you may remember or recall the story, and in verse 23 of that passage, Jesus doesn't even answer this woman. She comes to him, and he basically, he doesn't answer her. And in fact, in verse number 23, the last part of the verse, the disciples actually urge Jesus to send her away. They're like, send her away. And then she persists, if you remember the story. And then Jesus, in verse number 24, he says, listen, he says, I'm actually sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He says, you're a Gentile woman. You're a woman of Canaan. I'm, I'm actually sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But notice the very next verse, the commitment, the faith of this woman. In verse 25 of this passage, the Bible declares this. It says, then came she. Then came she. And notice what she does. She worships Jesus. And notice what she says. Lord, help me. She approaches him, she worships him, and by faith, this woman believes that he is the only one who could help her. The question is, do you believe that he's the only one that can help you? You say, well, I'm a believer. I'm already a believer. Well, just hold on to that thought. You can be a believer all day long and never believe that he's the one that can help you. Now you say, well, how's that happen? Well, I'll get to that here in just a second when we look at the next word but what's interesting to me is look at verse 5 of our text because verse 5 says happy is he that hath the God of Jacob keep that thought in mind the God of Jacob the God of Jacob my friends is the God of covenant he's the God of wrestling prayer he's the God of those who have been tried as tried believers he is the only living and true God and what's interesting to me, in some of your Bibles, some of the various translations will actually say the God of Israel instead of the God of Jacob. It's a big indi- uh, implication. You remember, Jacob was called Jacob when he was a deceiver. He was only called Israel 
after he had been restored, remember? And so it's a pretty big implication. But notice, I think it's pretty cool that God's name is associated with Jacob. You say, well, what's the big deal? Because Jacob is a sinner just like you and just like me. The fact that God's name, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob. Jacob needed some help. He needed help all throughout his life. In fact, I put down from Jacob's deceptive behavior, his times of trial, the seasons of danger, and even during Jacob's life of disobedience, it was God who was always there to shelter him. It was God who was always there to direct him. That's a comfort to me to know that the very God of very God associates himself with sinners just like me and that he can be my help just like he was Jacob's help. Oh, listen, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. In Hebrews 13 and verse 6, the writer of Hebrews declares, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And Now, I understand it's talking about learning to be content with what such things as you have. But the implication, the principle is there that God is our helper. Have you been struggling? 2020. I saw this picture yesterday. It was if 2020 were a slide. Anybody see that picture? If 2020 were a slide, it starts off like a normal uh, kid's playground slide. It goes, and then it goes, just like that. If 2020 were a slide, have you been struggling with where to find help? In 2020, oh, my friends, the same God that defended and protected Jacob over and over and over again will do the same for us. Think about it. It was Jesus who said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 and following, he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy. And he says, and my burden is light. If you're in this room, watch, if you're in this room and you're not a believer, if you're watching and worshiping online and you're not a believer, can I beg you, cast your burden on the Lord today. The God of Jacob wants to help you, but you have to be willing to cast your burden and to receive him as Lord and Savior of life. And maybe you're here and you say, well, I'm already a Christ follower. Well, if you're a Christ follower, then simply allow this truth to renew your mind and your heart. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help. In Psalm 46 and verse 1, again, that Bible verse said, God, Elohim, the supreme God, is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. The second H that I want us to review is the word hope. Look at the verse again. The Bible says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Now, what I want you to see is, hold this verse up here. There's two titles, two titles that are given in this verse to God. First, he's the God of Jacob. And secondly, whose hope is in the Lord his God. And so we see the God of Jacob and the Lord. And again, the word Lord, speaking of Jehovah, the self-existent God. I was doing some reading earlier this week, and it was Charles Spurgeon, that prince of preachers from years gone by. Here's what he said about these two titles. Notice he says this. He says, either one of them have a fountain of joy in them, but the first title will not cheer us without the second. Now think about that for a second. Having the God of Jacob as your help 
will not cheer you unless the Lord is your hope. This is what he's saying. Now continue reading. He says, unless Jehovah be our God, no man can find confidence in the fact that he was Jacob's God. But when by faith we know the Lord to be ours, then we are rich to all the intents of bliss. Isn't that good? But sadly, do you know what happens sadly? Many times what we do is, as Christians, well-meaning Christians too, we try to navigate there's a song I used to sing years ago called The River. We try to navigate the waters in that river, right? And sometimes the waters get rough, but sometimes they're calm. And so when the waters are calm, we're just like, eh, I'm not really in need of God. Uh, yeah, God, yeah, Lord, you're my hope. Yeah, I got it, I got it. But then when the white waters come, and they start crashing against your canoe or whatever boat you're in, instead of turning to God and remembering that he is your hope, what do we typically do? We just do this. We just row faster and faster. Oh, I got it. Everything's under control. I'm good. I'm good. Until you find yourself, Chris, like we used to go whitewater rafting, until you find yourself out of the raft in the whitewater, trying to catch your breath and get back in the canoe, or the raft, rather. Oh, listen, my friends, we have, to, we have to understand that if we are believers here today, that our hope is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. He is our living hope. In fact, I referenced this, I believe, last week near the end of the message in 1 Peter 1. I didn't read the entire passage, but I've referenced it in 1 Peter 1 and verses 3 and following. The Bible says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, watch this, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now here's the real big part. Watch verse 5. Who are kept by what? The power of God through faith. The power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. A couple of weeks ago, I was closing out my message and I shared how that in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 13, the Bible reminds us that we have a hope and, and says that we have this hope uh, that is like an anchor for the soul. It's, it's sure and it's steadfast. And, and I was telling you that basically the idea is that hope for the soul accomplishes the exact same thing that an anchor does for a ship. It holds it steady and sure when the winds, of wave, winds and waves of life come crashing in. This anchor holds us and keeps us in place, if you please. It was the Apostle Paul who wrote in Romans chapter 5 in verses 1 and 2. He said, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and what? Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 15 and verse 4, Paul goes on, he says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. This Bible is teaching you and it's teaching me all about the hope that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
If you're a believer, thank you for the one amen. <laughs> if we are here and you say that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, hope ought to be filling you up day in and day out. I like how the Apostle Paul throughout the rest of Romans chapter 15, he actually gives three more titles to God. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 5, he says that he's the God of patience and consolation. That word consolation actually means comfort. In verse number 13, he says he's the God of hope. And then you get to the very last verse in Romans chapter 15. Paul says, guess what? He's not only the God of patience and comfort or consolation. He's not only the God of hope, but he's the God of peace. And without him, you have no peace. Without him, you have no hope. Without him, there can be no consolation. There can be no patience. Oh, my friends, so incredible what we find throughout Scripture time and time and time again. And a very often quoted verse of Scripture where God is actually speaking to the exiled nation of Israel in Jeremiah 29 and verse number 11. Uh, this verse is still beneficial for us, but he's speaking to the exiled nation of Israel, all right? And he says in this verse, watch this, he says, he says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And I know you guys are saying, well, pastor, you just read that verse, but you're talking about hope. I don't see the word hope. It's there. You don't see it. That phrase, an expected end, actually means future and a hope. He's talking about the fact that he has plans of peace for these people, a future hope of what is to come. In the New Testament, Paul tells the church at Philippi something very, very similar. When he says in Philippians 1, 6, he says, Being confident of this very thing, that he, speaking of God, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Folks, as I think Colby was praying as he prayed, and he didn't know that it was in my notes, but it's God who does the work. We do nothing. It's based on what he has done and what he is doing and what he will do. That's why we can have hope. Oh, yes. The more we trust him and his word and his promises, the more we're going to experience this hope. And, guys, if you want hope, dig in, dig in, dig in. Just do a word search of hope. Do a word search, even in Hebrew or Greek, for words that actually mean hope. And see what you come up with in Scripture. Psalm 119, which is all about God's Word, actually says this in verse 114. says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. He says, I hope in thy Word. Psalm 130 in verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his Word do I hope. In Proverbs 10 in verse 28, The hope of the righteous shall be gladness. What did I say last week about biblical joy? Biblical joy pinpoints or focuses on the source of our gladness. Oh yes, or delight. This is what hope's all about. Proverbs 10, 28 goes on. It says, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation, i.e. the hope of the wicked shall perish. No matter how dark things become, we can rely on the word of God to see us through. You say, well, how, how can you be sure? Well, because John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What? The Word was God? The Word's with God? Yes. Oh, yes, Jesus Christ himself is the Word. 
Oh, my friends, we have a hope that is sure and steadfast. It was said of Ferdinand Magellan when he took his voyage around the world, it was said that this guy put 35 compasses on the ship. You say, why would anybody take 35 compasses on a ship as he made his voyage around the world? Because he didn't want to get lost. This is our compass. God has given us his word as a compass so that you and I might not get lost in 2020. That we might not be uh, pulled aside with everything that's going on in our country and in this world. Oh, my friends, if you've never trusted the Lord as your Savior, you cannot rightly say. You cannot rightly say that you have biblical hope today, tomorrow, or for eternity. I want to beg you, if you don't have hope in your life, trust Him today. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is where hope begins and ends. Oh, listen, if we will surrender our lives to Him, His hope will fill our hearts. In fact, it was Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 7. The Bible teaches us by saying, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. Oh, yes, because of Jesus, we can have a living hope that's sure and steadfast. And if that's the case... If you have a hope that's living, if you have a hope that's steadfast and sure, there, why would we ever struggle with fear? We were talking about, and I'm going to do a message on fear. We're, why would we struggle with fear? If we have a hope that's living, a hope that's steadfast, a hope that's sure, that's the devil. He tries to get into our minds and into our hearts and, and pull us away from the very source of hope that we have. Well, listen, Hebrews 13, 5 reminds us that it's God who said he would never leave us nor forsake us. There's no reason to fear. God's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of love and of and a power and of a sound mind. The final H word that I want us to celebrate is actually a derivative of the very first word in the verse. And I want us to talk about happiness. Because verse 5 says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord is God. Folks, if God is our help, and if God is our hope, then how could you and I be anything but happy? If you're happy and you know it, yeah, some of you know it. I remember when I was a kid, I loved singing that. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, you know, you do them all. Say amen. And then it got to be crazy because the, the teacher in Sunday school, they just think that you want to go faster and faster. So it starts out like, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it. And then you get to the second verse, stomp your feet. And then if you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. And then if you're happy and you know it, do all three. Amen. And you're doing all these things. Can I tell you, if you're happy and you know it, you're not going to, the baby's moving. I got the baby moving on happy and you know it. <laughs> Jeremiah's happy. <laughs> baby's happy. The baby's happy. I know, I know, I know, I know. Don't worry about it. The baby's happy. Can I tell you something? You should be happy. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord is God. If you're happy and you know it, internally or externally, some of you people will never clap your hands if Jesus came and stood right in front of you and said, are you happy? You'd be like, I am not happy and I will not clap my hands. I know you died on the cross for me, but don't ask me to clap my hands. 
Come on. I'm serious. I, I got another one for you. I'm H-A-P-P-Y. I'm H-A-P-P-Y. I know I am. I'm sure I am. I'm H-A-P-P-Y. Happy. You guys are like, what kind of Sunday school did you go to? I went to a Sunday school class that taught me to be happy in Jesus. Oh, listen, many are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. But friends, I want you to know that happiness cannot be acquired. It cannot be purchased in the marketplace of life. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter what car you drive. It doesn't matter all the toys that you think you have. That's not real happiness. And they are fleeting. In fact, I was trying to remember who said this, and so I had to look it up. It was Malcolm Forbes. Malcolm Forbes, probably one of the wealthiest men that ever lived. He made a statement before his passing that a lot of people held on to. And he made this statement, and he said, He who dies with the most toys wins. This, is, this was the sum total of this man's thought process. He who has the most toys when he dies wins. But friends, whenever the world gives you a statement, I want to encourage you to take the word of God and see what the word of God has to say because Jesus, the savior of the world, in contrast, in direct opposition to what Malcolm Forbes said, said in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, he said these words. He said, a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Truthfully, my friends, some of the most miserable and sad people on earth are those who are looking for their help, those who are looking for hope in the accumulation of wealth or toys or whatever. And by the way, I'm not suggesting poverty. That's not what I'm suggesting. And I'm not going to preach a fancy, free, feel-good, prosperity gospel either. I'm not suggesting either one. But real genuine happiness and I spelled it like that, genuine happiness will never be found in things or money. Biblical joy pinpoints the source of our gladness and delight. And very similar to biblical joy, true happiness comes when the Lord our God is our constant help and our eternal hope. And so I just want to ask a couple of questions. And we're out. It's 11 a.m. and I know you people are surprised. Just as surprised as I am. <laughs> I don't have 30 more minutes of message. And you guys are like, praise the Lord, I'm happy now. <laughs> Would you be honest with yourself right here? Because this is really important. Would you be honest with yourself between yourself and God? Not between you and your husband, your husband and your wife, or your kids. Kids, not with mom and dad. Just for yourself. Just for yourself, right? Are you happy? Are you happy? See, the verse that we pinpointed today says, Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So here's, here's the crazy way my mind works. If you're not a believer, you're watching, you're here, you're not a believer. You've been playing church. You know a lot about God. You may have studied his word and, 
you maybe have sat back. And quite honestly, here's the danger. A lot of times, if you come to church long enough, there's a little bit of, and, and I don't want to say pride, but there's a little bit of, of, of uh, fear almost to recognize that you may need a Savior. Because what we do is we say, I've been in the pew for so long, what would people think if I looked up at the pastor or I made a profession of faith or I said that I need to be baptized or I said that I need anything? Can I tell you it doesn't matter? It doesn't matter what other people think. If I'm lost and I'm undone and I know that Jesus loves me and that he died for me and he wants to have a relationship with me, what does it matter what this person or that person thinks? And so I'm asking you, are you happy? Because here's the way my little twisted mind thinks. The Bible says, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So if you're happy, what you're telling me is that you already know the Lord Jesus Christ as your hope and that you regularly on regular basis are trusting in the God of Jacob for your help. See, you might know Jesus, but you very rarely go to him for help. See, and I don't know that you can be happy if that's the case. See, you say, well, I'm, I'm happy that I have the hope of Jesus residing in my heart, but guess what? You're faced with turmoil. We got schools meeting online for crying out loud, Zoom conferencing. We got people, we're walking around in masks to protect one another. I don't even know. Right now, I'm going to be totally transparent. I don't know which side is, is right. I don't know how many people have passed from coronavirus. I don't know how many are getting sick. From, I don't know all of those things. But I know one thing, that I need the God of Jacob for my help. And maybe you just are afraid to voice that. But if you're saved today and you say, I take care of myself, Pastor. You're in trouble. That's no good. That's not a plan. That's a plan for failure. If you have God as your hope, living and residing in your life, but you never call out upon the God of Jacob for help, then you got a problem. But on the flip side, you may say, well, I don't know. I call out and I ask, I don't know Jesus, and, and I really don't have that second part, but I've got the first part down. Can I tell you? You're letting the world lie to you. You cannot have the first part without having the second part. You say, well, I call on God all the time for help. That's like me calling on Krista for help if I don't even know her. She's going to look at me and she might do a nice thing for me every once in a while. Throw me a crumb, right? But if I'm really going to be happy in that relationship, i got to know her and she's got to know me. And so... There's some people might say, well, I don't know Jesus is my Savior, but I, I regularly, you know, I'm throwing up those prayers, Pastor. I'm saying, God, I need your help. God, I need your help. And God's saying, who is this? This is who? I, I don't know you. Do, you. do you know me? How do you know me? Well, I'm, I'm calling. I'm asking for help. I, I, I don't know you. And so, you see, it, it's a big thing that we put all of this together because the Bible says, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. So you're really happy. Do you know the Lord as your Savior? And even if you do know the Lord as your Savior, are you regularly calling upon the God of Jacob for your help, or are you trying to do it all on your own strength, in your own strength? See, it's kind of a, it, it kind of can work against us in these ways. 
But I know what my Bible tells me. My Bible tells me that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that God commendeth his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm a sinner. No one had to tell me that. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Bible makes it so incredibly simple by saying, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you don't have the hope of Lord living in your heart, trust Christ today. And if you're here today and you say, I've already trusted Christ, but I'm struggling with the part of realizing that God wants to help me. If that's you today, I'd ask you to pray and ask God to do a work in your life as well. No matter what your situation is, I want us all. God, it's not even enough for me. God wants us all to be happy, and he says, here's the recipe. It's kind of like this great mathematical equation that I was trying to figure out. Listen, if you have hope and you're regularly looking to me for help, then you're going to be happy. That's the equation. See, because if I don't have hope, but I'm looking to him, the equation's broke. If I say I'm happy and I don't have either one, I'm just a liar. So whatever your situation is, man, this got real serious real quick, didn't it? But you know what? God loves every one of us so much that he cared so much that he sent his only son to die for us. So whatever your need is, and you just need to come and pray, you need to praise God. Maybe you need to be saved once and for all. You've been playing games with God, but you need to just trust him and say, you know what, I need the hope that can only come from you, Jesus, into my life. Or maybe you just need to admit that you know him, but you've not really called on him to be the help in your life. You've tried to do everything on your own power and your own strength, according to your own wisdom. Whatever your need is, I pray that you'll come right now. We're going to pray. We're going to have invitation. The altar's open to praise God, to pray to God, to be saved, whatever you need. I'm going to ask some of the staff members to come up and be up here. If you need to be saved, you come. You come during this time. God bless you. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the time that we've had. And God, your word tells us to come boldly. Your word tells us in Hebrews 4 and verse 16 to come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. So God, I pray that we will come boldly as a people to the throne of your grace this morning, that we will open up our hearts, that we'll be honest with you, that we will admit whether we lack on the help side or the hope side, God, that we would learn to be happy. God, I pray that if there's those that have never trusted Christ, that they would do that today. God, we open up the invitation. And we ask you to work as only you can work in hearts and lives. People who are at home watching and worshiping online, I pray that they would make decisions for the Lord and that they would let us know those as well. God, as we close this prayer and we begin this invitation, God, we do it in the name and in the power of your son Jesus and for his sake, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.